Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Casey. And my name is Matt. Welcome into today's very uh, uh, interesting topic that we have chosen, I think. I think so. Hey, hey Matt, I, I, I got to tell you something. Okay. I found you. I, I found you. I will always oh, find you. you. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I, I, good. <laughs> I found you. I will always find you. All right. All right. Fair enough. Um, corny. Yes, maybe. But it is, after all, kind of the guiding theme of the show that we are about to discuss. Uh, Matt, you're right. It is an interesting topic that we've picked because we're not dealing with something that's kind of on the cutting edge. It's a TV show, but it's not on Disney Plus, which I think I'm going to say is the first time we've probably done that, where it's a TV show not oh, on no, Disney Plus. Oh, no, it's on Disney Plus. Well, it is now, but it never, not oh, oh, Disney I see. Plus original, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I misspoke. It, it did not originate on Disney Plus. It, in fact, originated on network television all the way back in 2011. So it started 10 years ago. Wow. Um, and it, and it, it, it ended not too long ago. I mean, it, the last season was ended in 2018. So it only ended about three years ago. So it was on air for a bit. And that is the, te- the television show Once Upon a Time. Yes. Um, so if, if you were at the beginning not understanding why Casey was telling me he will always find me and thought that was super weird um, and, 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 and have no idea what we're talking about. We're, we're going to start with a non-spoiler yeah. kind of set up to what the first season of this show is. And then we're going to move into some more, uh, uh, you know, bo- uh, meat and potatoes of the, of the show. Yeah. Um, so it, if you're so we'll kind of set things up and then we'll give a spoiler warning so if you want to stop and and go and watch the show and come back and listen to us later you can so yeah. uh, what is this show it's gosh i <laughs> i've been thinking about this episode all day and now i'm kind of blanking on how would i describe this show um it 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 fa- it starts out with um this 10-year-old boy who uh, retrieves this uh, 28-year-old woman who he says is his mom and brings him, brings her to a town called Storybrook, Maine. And he believes that all of the people in this town are actually cursed fairy tale characters. They mm-hmm. their minds have been wiped and they don't know who they are and so his mom is the one that can break the curse because she is the daughter of two fairy tale characters. Am I setting this up? Does this make, am I covering this well, Casey? What more do you have to add on this? Yeah, one? Yeah. I think without giving too much about the story and the plot and, 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 you know, cause and the reason why we're being very selective about the words that we use here is that each week, I mean, it's a, it, first of all, these are hour-long episodes, so you take the commercials out there about 45 minutes apiece. That's a substantial amount of meat in these episodes. Each week, you are, it's like reading a book, really, and you're, you're given a chapter that is unraveling this mystery before you. And what's really cool about the way that the the showrunners have put this up is that basically you spend a little bit of time in Storybrooke 
and then you spend a little bit of time in what is referred to as the enchanted forest the the um the other realm where these fairy tale characters potentially live right and you start to learn more about how they have gotten there right and i think that's the best we get the furthest we can go um characters that you'll you'll meet along the way in the first episode even you're going to meet again henry is the little boy you're going to meet his who he believes to be his mother which is emma swan you're going to meet the mayor of of the city uh her name's regina mills you're going to meet a gentleman named mr gold um um and and all of these characters in storybrooke have personas in the, the enchanted forest and and through the use of really creative storytelling you're able to uh, really kind of start to unravel this mystery if i'm not mistaken i believe that the the showrunners are are some of the folks who actually were who did lost too yeah yes. yeah they, so the people who if, if you are a fan of the show Lost, which I, I never got in that show, but I know a lot of people did. Or if you were a huge fan of the movie Tron Legacy, which I absolutely am, you will like this show. I remember the first time I was told about it, um, it was already on for like two years, three years at that point. Uh, you guys all know Amy, friend of the pod. She told me that she was into it and she kind of explained it, but very similar to how we're explaining it now. It was like, well, she didn't want to give me too much. And, and at that point, it was on Netflix like the first three seasons. And so Nate and I started in on this and we binged it like crazy until we got caught up, which we'll, we'll talk a little bit later, but um, it says a lot for a TV show to go that long, especially an hour long drama about fantasy and fairy tale characters. So clearly they were doing something right, but that's the basic premise of, of the show. And I'll, I'll tell you, you're not going to get disappointed by it. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a good show. Well, and if you're wondering, well, wait a minute, where's the Disney in this? Well, obviously, I mean, many Disney properties are based on fairy tale characters. And so the Disney is that that all of these characters exist in the same universe and interact yeah. with each other. And throughout later seasons, they bring in different characters and have different arcs and what I love about is how they weave all the characters in very seamlessly. Mm-hmm. And they're all their relationships with one another are, are, are different enough that it's not like the same old story that, you know, they, they take some really nice creative liberties. Yeah. And so really, if, if you're a Disney fan, it, it, it's a fun show to watch because you get a different take on some of your favorite characters. I think one of the things that has impressed me about this show. So again, we go back to 2011, you know, I have a feeling that Disney was maybe looking at the Marvel Cinematic Universe and going, hmm, we've built or we're starting to build this 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 universe of characters from all these different franchises. Um, and, you know, we have to go and explain each character on in their own movie. But, yeah, we've got all this IP over here. We've got all this intellectual property over here where – these universes, people already have a, either a really good idea of what they are or a passing idea of what they are. We could take from our own bank, our own IP, 
and throw the stuff together. And, and I think this is a really, really important point because up till this point, you really had not seen this um, from Disney for sure. But like when you think about like um, really successful times when properties have been brought together or, or properties that normally aren't together, it usually it usually results in a success. So I'm thinking, for example, non-Disney at all, but um, when Mario and Sonic for the very first time were brought together at Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games back in 2008, right? That was a huge deal. These two competing rivals in, in the same property. Or when Warner Brothers even kind of did something with Space Jam um, many, many years ago and brought all these things together and, and, and all these characters together when you usually don't see them together. I mean, even Tiny Toon Adventures when you had all these characters. Like, there's always been this success that people wanting to see um, properties that are typically separate brought together. Even World Wrestling Entertainment, you know, the WWE and WCW when they were brought together. I mean, I remember I was a huge wrestling fan when I was a kid. So I, I say this because um, I think Disney looked at this and said, let's give it a shot, right? And what I love about this, Matt, <laughs> is that it's Disney properties, but it's not Disney-fied. Like it's an yes. adult, it's an adult show. It's an adult show and it feels like an adult show. You can watch it with your kids, but they may will probably lose interest from it. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it definitely has more adult themes and it's not, it's not like raunchy or dirty no. or gory or anything like that, but the themes are very adult oriented, albeit at times a little cheesy, but you know, the, the, I think you can look past it. The, the other thing is this is such a unique thing on network TV because network TV right now, and even 10 years ago, most of the shows were your half an hour long comedies. Yep. Your cop dramas, your lawyer dramas, and like, it, it, like and your medical, medical dramas. And that's, you know, and maybe some reality shows like The Bachelor or something like that. But for the most part, like I would say 80% of shows fit in the genres that I just said. And so this, I think one of the reasons why it was so successful is because it was something different. Yes, it has the elements of, you know, the same elements that drama has, but it it twisted it in a different way that made it seem more interesting than, oh, look, another cop show or, oh, look, another drama. It, it, it just yeah. felt different. And, and, and it was and it was highly successful. Um, again, we talked about it spinning from 2011 to 2018. It actually spawned a spinoff series right in the middle of it. I want to say season two or season three, there's Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, which is its own little spinoff miniseries for like eight episodes which I still haven't watched yet. I actually got to watch that, but it was highly successful. And, and we're going to talk obviously here in just a little bit when we talk about the spoiler, we get into that section. But I, what I will say for those of you who are listening kind of up through the end of the spoiler, non-spoiler section here, you have a chance now with Disney plus it is in its completion, including the spinoff all in one spot to really, to, to really, dive into this and again 45 minute episodes 20 to 24 episodes per season right so if you think about the content that's there you know 
we're going to be having a, um, a, a roundtable dialogue coming up in the next couple of weeks on, on the live action movies and whether they're, they're, they're worth it, whether that Disney should have gone down that road route. But I do believe that, that once upon a time, Matt, in a lot of ways is live action, the live action fairy tales done right. They're, they're a different creation. Um, they're, they're not the same old story. Uh, being told the way that the movie or the animated movie was told, yet at the same time there's a sense of familiar, familiar, you know what I'm trying to say, familiarity <laughs> there. I've always had a hard time with that. A sense of just familiar there, and and not everything is as it seems either. Like that sometimes they they boondoggle you. I'm not going to lie. Like you, you go, Oh, Oh, Oh. And, and sometimes they introduce characters, not from the Disney material, but from the source material. So, you know, certain characters who were never in the original material. And actually it's kind of fun too, to go back and rewatch it a little bit now because some, you know, at the time when the movies were made or the show was made, there might've been only one movie out. And then now there might be sequels out and it's gone down a different path. So it's fun to look at it that way too. So it, it really is a good movie, a good show. Um, Nate and I have been rewatching since December. Yeah, December. So we're six months and we're, we're just now rewatched through season six and there are a total of eight seasons. So that tells you, I mean, it takes a lot to get through. These are not going to be something that you can binge watch a ton. Like you can get to through two or three of these maybe, but sometimes you got to let it rest because it just, it's a lot. It's not a comedy show, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot going on. It's a lot to digest at times, but you know, I, I, I can sympathize with sometimes you just want to like pick up a new show and you don't want to have to wait a week or, uh, with, you know, the, some of the new stuff that's coming out or, you know what, this new show is great, but there's only one season, you know, I want to start this show, but there's only one season. Like you really want to get into a show and, mm-hmm. and have it kind of become something that becomes a little bit part of your daily routine or weekly routine for a while. This is a great show to pick up. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So with that said, um, spoilers ahead, this was the spoiler free section. We are moving into the spoiler section of the episode because, for those of you who have seen it, and and we want to talk about it, we want to talk about the ups, the downs, the characters, the story arcs. Um, first of all, I remember when I proposed this to you, Matt. I wasn't even sure if you'd even seen the show, and and the reason why I proposed it was exactly what I just said. Nate and I picked this up in December, and um, we've been watching it ever since, and we're not all the way through. Now, here's the reason why we started rewatching it, because when it was originally out, we stopped right in the middle of season six. Basically, when after uh, and we're going to kind of get to season one in a minute, but where we stopped was Emma Swan was the dark one. She finally got rid of the darkness and and um, Hook dies and then they find themselves down in the underworld. And and Nate and I had already been looking at each other going, oh my God, this thing has gotten worse and worse and worse from a cheesiness perspective. We stopped watching it six years ago and we just picked it back up, right? So for that reason, you know, I, I talked about it because as we've been rewatching it, I think we've appreciated it a little bit more. Don't get me wrong. There's some coriness to it, which you mentioned earlier, but it's fun. It's been a fun ride. Yeah, I, so we have very similar things, and maybe this is uh, uh, foolish of us to do a review of a show that 
neither of us have seen the end of. Yeah. But, you know, that also makes it kind of fun because same thing. Like, uh, you know, we when it came out, I was an avid watcher. We would we would watch kind of on the you know weekly or, you know, you know, we skip one and pick it up uh, the next week. It it got it. Yeah, it, it, it got to be just a little bit much. And, and we'll get into that. And in, I think in a little bit, but let's kind of progress a little bit. It start with season one. I think yeah. season one is a near perfect season of television. Yes. Yes, I will agree with you, except I will say the acting, they did not find, in my opinion, the actors did not find their groove until season two from an acting perspective, but from a story perspective, from a action perspective, from a mystery perspective, from a, oh my God, what's happening perspective, all of that stuff, 100% agree with you. In fact, I think the reason why that season goes so well is because they probably wrote it anticipating there was only going to be one season. I mean, if you think about how season one ends with the end of the curse, right? They could have ended it right there. Like that, it, I, it was written with that in mind. And when they got picked up for a second season, clearly they decided to extend it, right? But I agree with you. In fact, I agree with you so much that even in the interim between when we stopped watching and when we picked up watching that six years, occasionally when it was on Netflix, and then, of course, when Disney Plus came out, uh, occasionally um, I would just randomly watch the final episode of season one, the last like 15 minutes of it, because I just love that finale so much of season one. Like it's yeah, like, watching, watching the, the townspeople. Find, oh, I'm getting tears right now thinking about it. watching Mary Margaret find David. You found me like, oh, I just get chills thinking about it and um, watching. um the blue fairy or, you know, mother superior go, I don't know, you know, your majesty, if I were you, I would find some place to hide and know Regina is going to get what's coming to her. Like, it's just, ah, it's so good. It is so good. Yeah. Yeah. The, the payoff is really good though. I will say because they had to write in something else, there is not much time for enjoyment. Like curse is broken and then yeah. boom on to the next thing. And, yep. and, and I, I, that kind of, was the beginning of my exhaustion with the show where I don't mind. I mean, don't get me wrong. A show is not a show without conflict, without plot, without something going on. A show where everything's fine and nothing's happening is a dumb show. Yeah. But can I get like half an episode? Or, or give, me an episode, episode where, give me an episode. Yeah. To, to like, just digest it, enjoy it, and maybe make a little miniature conflict that's not like world ending or something. I completely agree with you. Yes, because man, they it you know curse gets broken. We're also great, and then we're bringing magic back, and now we're in this next crisis. And and now uh, Snow or Mary Margaret and and Emma are whisked away to another land. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like yeah. they just got like, can we have five and, and minutes where something's not happening? If you think about it, there has been no respite at all. Like no it, it, to the point to where I'm at right now, and they're in the underworld. From the point of when they broke that curse to then, there has been no respite whatsoever. Now, there's obviously been time jumps because Henry's, you know, aged like six years. And that's been kind of an awkward thing watching him go from cute little boy to this awkward teenager, right? And clearly they address that, that there's been time jumps, but we don't get to experience it. So I will agree with you that it, it is a little annoying that it, it does seem to go from one thing to the next. I will say that 
I think season two is when the characters kind of start to really find their groove from an acting perspective that the, the actors do. I love the, well, obviously the addition of Captain Hook's huge because he plays a huge part later on, but I also love the addition of Korra. I think Korra is a perfect enemy of Regina and, and seeing that there's actually much worse out there. And you start to see some of the 3D understanding of what, what made Regina the way she was and why she was the way she was. And, and, and. I, I do think season two adds an element of I, I do enjoy the core element, and then finding out that Cora is the Queen of Hearts too, which I thought was really fun. That's an exciting plot yeah. twist. Well, and, and you you talked with about Regina, and I think what they do with her over the course of the show is fabulous. Oh yeah, I I love that she is clearly the villain in in season one. Like she is the antagonist. Yep. She is pulling the string. She is she is doing she is the antagonist villain. And beginning of season two, you see her like still playing that role, but recognizing that maybe that's not what she wants to be. And then really she tries to redeem herself. And even to the point of I believe it's season three into season four, where Snow and Charming start to accept her as you are my friend and ally. Yep. And and if you were to tell tell in season one, like, hey, these two are going to be friends, it, you'd be like, wow, how are they going to do that one? And they do it really, really well. I think I think that character, they just do so, so well. Yeah, and, and Lana, Lana Perella, I think is the, the, the woman who plays her. She's an, a, just astounding, uh, yeah, Lana Perella, just an astounding actress. She plays that. You can, you can definitely tell that the evil queen and Regina end up being two different personas. And she does an amazing job at playing the evil queen and, and, and of course, Regina. In fact, have you, have you read what happens all the way through the end? So are you, I don't want to spoil anything. For oh you. yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, okay. I know what happens. So, but. so, so I mean, I'm not there yet, but just hearing and kind of reading the synopsis, you know, knowing that Regina and, and, and the evil queen apparently are going to split here in season six into season seven, that's going to be huge. And I'm really excited to see that. I mean, that, that's, that takes a lot as an actress and as an actor to be able to play that role. And to the point that when they do some of the flashback scenes in later seasons, and she's the evil queen and she's feuding with snow white. It's almost like almost unbelievable because they become such good friends in, in, in reality. Right. Um, I will say that season three, the Peter Pan arc is a bear to get through. It is. I, okay. You know, my mom always told me that the sign of a good actor or actress is that, they invoke a negative reaction from you when you see them in other things or you just see them as an actor, not playing a character. And I will tell you that Robbie Kay, the kid who plays Peter Pan, I hate that. Mm, he's so annoyed. <laughs> he is so annoyed. He like he plays Peter Pan, villain Peter Pan, so well that he invokes this negative reaction from me that I cannot explain. Like, it's like I, I hate that I hate that season so much. Yet at the same time, to watch the twists and turns that they get put through, I don't know how. It's like I have this love hate relationship with season three. 
Okay, so I'm I'm in. Okay, so let me let me say here in season three, I like that they start to divide up the seasons yes. as like yes. kind of two mini seasons within. That helps because oh, yeah, totally. doing twenty four episodes is a lot. Without uh, that is not the, my fe- without getting the resolution. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, exactly. I will agree um, uh, that that is not my favorite season. I like that they make Peter Pan the villain because uh, I contend that even in original, Peter Pan is kind of not the hero. Like, I'll be honest right here. Peter Pan is is weird. It's it's a weird movie. (laughs) And the first just go back. uh, You don't have to watch the whole thing. Watch the first time that you see Peter Pan in the 1950 film. It is creepy. It is creepy as all get out. It's like Tink like shines a shadow on his eyes and he looks like he's about to either abduct, murder or do something not great to those children. And it it just it's very off putting. So if in that case, the portrayal of Peter Pan as a villain, I'm like, great, just totally makes sense. He's absolutely the villain. Um, I do love how they make him gold's father rumple's father i think that's a mm-hmm. fun twist to the whole thing so it's like that whole season you get that whole half a season you get a twist on top of a twist on top of a twist right i think the whole heart of the truest believer is a little corny for me i, I think there was some retconning there and it was like oh, this is kind of corny but again robbie k he plays such a good villain that you just you love to hate him and hate to love him you know yeah yeah but that's i don't know that just wasn't it wasn't my favorite arc and if i remember correctly that was another one where and and this this gets me with all tv shows and a lot of them that are on network tv that have 20 episode seasons even 13 episode seasons where it it just it feels like if two characters would just have a conversation and like work something out this would all be resolved but frazier Frasier is literally a series of misunderstandings because two people won't talk to each other. Yes. And it's like, okay, guys, if we would just do, um, (laughs) okay. The the, the best example I have of this is the show arrow, which was, um, a TV show based uh, on the green arrow about, um, on the CW and first season's great. Second season's great. Third season. Oh man. Fourth season. Oh my goodness. And one of the reasons why the fourth season really frustrated me was because the characters didn't learn anything. And so what would happen is he's fighting this magical being spoiler alert for things on arrow, by the way, he's fighting this magical being, um, of course gets beat up and, and his butt handed to him. And, goes back and learns, oh yeah, no, I need my friends in order to help me. And then their the friends help. And then they resolve that episode. The very next episode, the same exact thing happens. He's like, no, I have to do this by myself. It's like, no, we, we just went through this. I'm so exhausted for you. You can't keep doing this. Learn something. Grow as a character. Yeah. And I, 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 I remember feeling that in season three where I was just like, okay, we're really doing this again. Like, okay, just <laughs> grab now, it up. What I will say is that on the second half of season three, though, the introduction of the wicked witch is brilliant. First of all, it's not a Disney property unless you count return to Oz. It's based on basically a f- free source material at this point because it fell in the public domain. It's a twist. You don't see the fact that it, it that she's her sister coming. You don't see the fact that Cora abandoned her as a baby. You feel bad for her, yet she's 
way overpowered compared to anybody in that town. It, it, I will say it's, it, it really is a fun take a different way to think about like the wizard, the, you know, Emma's back in, um, you know, and even just take away the fact that even before the season starts, the way that in order for all that to come to a close, they've got to literally send everybody back to the enchanted forest and send Henry and Emma to New Jersey again, or to Boston again, and completely forget about all this. And they've been living that way for a year, right? Like, that that whole arc is amazing, and then the boyfriend she ends up dating ends up being one of the flying monkeys. Like, who would have saw that? What was his name Wes or something? I think it was something like that. Like, I just it it very creative, um, and and it has to be given that you know, I think they tried to compress a lot of stuff into season one, thinking it was going to be the only season. Then they realized they got more out of it, so they got to start thinking outside the box, start building bigger stories. I, I do think that that the Wicked Witch. Um, uh, second half of that season was pretty well done. I, I thought, and I'm really glad they bring her back later in some of the other seasons. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm in agreement with that. I think the actress that plays her also does a very good job. It it really follows the arc of kind of most how most TV shows go, which is the first season is still like kind of ramping up. Like mm-hmm. actors are finding their feet in the new in the role that they're in, and the storytellers are kind of finding their role. Though I think this one starts out a little bit higher than some of them. Agreed. Season two, you hit your stride. Season you know season three, and 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 even into four, you're really hitting it, and then then it starts to kind of taper off a little bit. Yeah, season four. So moving into season four, so we get past the Wicked Witch Chronicles. And keep in mind, season four debuts in 2014. What had just come out in the theaters a year before? Frozen! The biggest hit. I can't believe they turned around a Frozen arc that quickly. The biggest hit in Disney history. Apparently, from what what I've read, and, and I don't know how much of this is true, but either the showrunners went to Disney and convinced Disney to let them use the frozen material or Disney came to the showrunners and said, we want you to put frozen material into this. Either way it worked. I remember um, I, I was not quite caught up to this, this point yet, but it was already out. And I had, a, I have a friend of mine who actually is a listener of the show. His name's Scott. He lives in Arizona now with his, his husband. He, um, I remember him posting on his Facebook going, Holy bleep, I'll leave that bleeped out. Holy bleep was that Elsa. And that was the end of season three. Because remember, she comes out of the urn and, and then she kind of forms. And all you see is her back as she walks out, right? And then that's it. That was the end of season three. And we weren't quite caught up to that point yet. We finally got caught up over the summer. So I, we were watching Frozen along the same uh, along the same timeline as everybody else. And... I will say I thought they did a really good job with the Frozen arc because it didn't follow the animated series as much. It did, but you also had the introduction of the Snow Queen and elements from the actual fairy tale, not just the the movie. Like Olaf yeah. wasn't in Olaf wasn't in there, but yeah, Marshmallow was, and and um, again. Um, you had the Snow Queen, which plays I mean, the whole the actual the, the the book is called the Snow Queen, so it's good to have her in there. I think what you just pointed out with no Olaf being in there is what grounds this series very well. Yeah, is there's 
there's not as many of like the animal beings or anything like that. Like you don't get you don't get any of that in this. And and a lot of times I think that's what kind of pushes some of the animated movies, rightfully so, into the more fun and ridiculous. And yeah. that's what I think animated movies should be. Um, you you need that, in, especially in kids' movies, to to kind of lighten the mood at times. Like imagine Frozen without Olaf. That's a pretty serious movie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Olaf kind of adds some lightheartedness to it. Um, so I, I think that's really what grounds this series very well is that it, they don't try to shoehorn like Abu. And I think like Pongo is the only one that's in there. And he's just a dog. Like that's he's it. Just like, dog. He's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's mean, arc, j- just a dog. Yeah. I mean, Jiminy Cricket, but that's Dr. You know, it's the doc, uh, doctor. Um, uh, what's his name? But yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Then we get to the second half of season four, the Cruella de Vil, the Maleficent. Our favorite villain of all time, Cruella oh, yes. de Vil. Yeah. The Cruella de Vil, the Maleficent, <laughs> the Ursula arc, the, the, the mistresses of evil or the, whatever they call them. What was your, your take on that, that half? I mean, was that the one where we find out that like snow and charming, like, did a very bad thing for yes. lack of better terms. Yeah. The that, fact that they basically condemned Maleficent's baby to be a dark child so that Emma could be light. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I didn't like that season, especially for that reason. Um, you know, snow and charming were, were supposed to be like the shining beacons of light. And to hear that they did that was like, Oh, that's not like, I don't mind like a arc where you see a little bit of something that they mess up on or, Oh, they used to have this little fault and, but they, they fixed it. And I don't mind that, but that's a, that's a pretty heinous thing to do. That I agree. And I will, I will say the one redeeming part about the whole season, which then obviously comes fruit to bear in the second half. They really went hardcore on the Disney-ish of this because you get the apprentice, right? So you get the sorcerer's apprentice, you get the apprentice's hat, so you get the sorcerer's hat in there. But they also then cloud it with the author. Oh, remember that? that yeah. That, that uh, whole arc was so annoying. This whole meta-aware of the story being written. Even the cheesy line when when August goes... When August goes, you know, that role has been filled by many different people over the years, even a man named Walt. Like, really? Like, I mean, I'm as diehard Walt Disney fan as they can get. And like, that's just cheesy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, it's it's so abstract. Yeah. Like you said, like that would be like that would be like the Marvel Cinematic Universe they're fighting they're they're fighting uh magneto in you know phase 10 and but they're also contemplating who created us let's talk about let's 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 who created us as beings and oh, let's have these big deep discussions like i don't want this fairness, they have had stan lee in like every one of their movies so i mean i guess they've kind of gotten the whole meta awareness thing too but no i yeah, agree but, it, it but just it does not, feel yeah but they're not like who created us was it a guy named Stan, yeah, huh? I, you can't see me, me now, but I'm doing like the. He really uh. is. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> no, like, like it's the whole like villains don't ever get their happy endings, or I want the author to write my happy end. Like, it really was. It 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 got to be a little a little much. Um, 
I would needless to say I was happy to see that that particular season come to a close. And that happens, I think, in any TV show that it's it, it's hard because I, I don't know a lot about how how TV works, but from what I gather, you submit pilots and and networks pick up you know, just kind of your first season. They don't, you don't come in with a seven episode show and go, here's my seven seasons of this show. Maybe some people do that. I don't know. But for the most part, you're just, you're just saying, all right, here's my first season. And then networks see how well it does. And that's when they then start ordering more seasons. Now, you know, you can kind of, sometimes networks will order seasons before the previous season even started. I'm sure that helps, but I, this happens, I think, more often than not, not just in TV shows, but with books, um, you know, book series where, you know, an author writes a first book, not meaning to write another one, but that first book takes off. I, 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 I think The Hunger Games was like that, where this yeah. woman writes this book and it takes off. And now it's like, oh, shoot, I got to pump out two and three. Yeah. And 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 the last the last ones of those are like, really? This is like this. This feels very not planned out. They, they call I think that, that's what it gets at times. Yeah, they call that jumping the shark. Have you ever heard that phrase before? No, I have not. Why do they call so, it that? It's called jumping the shark. It's when a TV show has has run out of viable ideas, so they start to do like spectacular, fantastical things just to get ratings. And the whole idea, that whole phrase, jumping the star- shark actually dates back to the show Happy Days when the show had really kind of run its natural course, but they were keeping it on into those much later seasons. You know, uh, uh, the main character played by Ron Howard, he had left already, and it was really just Fonzie who was left. And one of the very last episodes or of the final season, um, they have Fonzie um, water skin and he's supposed to jump over sharks in the ocean, and 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 the, and, and while he's doing it, he's given the hey, you know. Or oh yeah, the the Fonzie. Yeah. yeah, and 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 that that was like the lowest low of the series, and they uh, shortly thereafter they canceled the series. But that's what they refer to that as jumping the shark is when a series has had its natural progression and it's time to to move on, but the 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 um the network doesn't want to to take it off the air yet, so. That kind of leads us into what is season five, Matt, because I think season five, at least for me, I think the showrunners do a pretty good job of saying, look, we've kind of run out of really good ideas like that, that, that have been the same. We need to kind of change it up a little bit. So that's when they basically make Emma the dark one. Right. That's when they basically turn her and she absorbs the power of the dark one. And then they find themselves in Camelot, basically looking for Excalibur. You find out who the, the sorcerer is. You find out it's Merlin, which, by the way, I was really disappointed they didn't use Yen Sid for that. But that's beside the point. Um, yeah. Regardless, I, I think that first half of the season where Emma's the dark one, she she brings everybody back to Storybrooke and again has wiped their memory now for the fourth time or the third time or whatever it is. But you don't know why. And again, you're trying to solve the mystery of what's going on. And you're almost every episode, you're, you're, you kind of are meant to not like Emma because she kind of becomes the stone cold, you know what? And um, throughout the course of it, you then start to realize that she did this because of what happened to Killian. Now, do you remember the season? Have you gotten this far? 
this is about where I stopped. So, like, I remember her becoming the dark one. I remember all that. But I, I just, I, it was at this point that, again, I'm just like, really? The minds are wiped again. The curse, like, it, it just got to a point where I, I, 10, you know, not 10 years ago, but, you know, five, six years ago, I was just, I was like, just, I'm exhausted by this. I'm just going to be done. So, so she takes the power of the dark one in order to save her. Um, the, the, the apprentice tells them, you've got to go to Camelot. You've got to find the sorcerer. His name is Merlin. That is how season uh, five picks up They They go to Camelot. They enter Camelot. Um, they get welcomed by King Arthur. You think King Arthur is this really noble guy. And at the end of that very first episode, they're back in Storybrooke. It's six weeks later. All their minds are wiped. And Emma has clearly transitioned to the dark one. She's got gray hair, black suit on, and she's acting really evil. And throughout the course of the season, you learn what happened. And what ends up happening is that the reason why everyone got sent back was because Hook becomes a second dark one. And in order to save Hook, um, she turns him a dark and then they get back to Storybrooke and she's trying to figure out a way to save him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's a pretty good arc. Ends up happening that Hook dies and that's how they find themselves into the second half of season five, which is, or is it season five or season six season, a uh, season five, um, which is where they go to the underworld and that's where they meet Hades. And that's where I'm at right now is that we just met Hades. We haven't continued it. Now I know just from reading synopses over the years, kind of what happens over the course of the next couple of seasons. But that's kind of where I've left off. Yeah. Like that. I'm, 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 I've started to watch through it again. So like I've binged season one, I'm in season two now. Uh, so I'm going to now do the series in its entirety. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to, when I get to the end, kind of what I, what I see. And when I get to the end, I'm sure in our, one of our intros in a future episode, we'll mention kind of what we thought of that, that of how it all wrapped up now that we've seen it instead of just read about it. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I, I still think, you know, we, I've spent a lot of time kind of saying the things that I don't like about the series overall. It's the, the stuff that I have is, is pretty minor, um, and pretty, pretty normal to most TV shows. Like it's not, this TV show is not immune to all the problems that most network TV shows have. I mean, it's the problem that I have with network television shows, 23 episodes, just a lot. And that means you have a lot of dead time where nothing happens where you go, okay, did I really need that episode? Did I really need that 20 minutes? Like it's, it's the reason why I love these Disney plus series where it's six episodes. It's eight episodes yeah. because things have to move quickly. Okay, there's just not dead time. Nate and I were watching last night. We were in, in the end of season season five and uh, or the, the halfway point of season five you know, where we're kind of just finally discovering what's going on with Emma and all this stuff. And then they they also have intertwined Merida in, in this season. And they have a whole episode of Merida fighting on behalf of her brothers and her father and reclaiming her kingdom. And as soon as it starts, not even real, Nate goes, filler episode, filler. And that's exactly what it was. There was nothing about the main story park arc at all. And it was like, really? Why do you, why? Why?" They did that with some of the Peter Pan episodes too. It was like filler, filler, stop. Like, like you could shorten this by three, three episodes if you just got rid of some of the filler. And I agree with you. The Disney, Disney plus has gotten so much better about, about, um, I, I don't know. It just kind of, it tells you the story you need to hear. And, you know, it doesn't give you a whole lot of filler. So I just think people yeah. have kind of been turned off from that. Well, cause network TV, you have to have that many episodes because that's how long your, your year is. It, it yeah. goes, 
you know, you have to have your fall premieres and then your spring premiere. Like you have to have these premieres. Whereas with a Disney Plus show or any streaming service, you aren't confined to that. You just say, hey, listen, we're, we're starting this day. We're releasing six episodes. Here you go. <laughs> and I think, yep. too, they're upping because because while the production value, I think, is very, very good. You, there are some times you're like, "Ooh, that 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 does not look good. Yeah. And, and I think they're also saying, hey, we'd rather put our production value into six episodes where it's pretty much six episodes of movie quality yep. rather than 23 episodes where that deer running through the forest is obviously fake or or the dragon. <laughs> Yeah. The, the dragon yeah. Maleficent definitely, uh, definitely suffered. I want to say. So again, we haven't gotten to the end, but just just to recap, since this is a recap, uh, season six. So at, so at the end of season five, um, I, I'm going to just read the recap that's on on Wikipedia, just because I, I think it's a good book into this. So um, uh, let's see here. Uh, Hook's Hook's death makes Emma lead a rescue party to the underworld in order to bring him back. During their mission, they encounter the souls of those with unfinished business and must face Hades, uh, played by Greg German. By the way, I think plays a better Hades than James Wood, just saying. Um, In an attempt to restore order to the chaos that has culminated, the characters' dangerous manipulations of magic lead to an exacerbation of the war between light and darkness. With the separation of Regina and her evil queen persona, as well as the arrival of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So that then takes us to season six. The sixth season was announced on March 3rd, premiered on September 25th. The characters must defend Storybrooke from a combined threat of Mr. Hyde and an unleashed evil queen. They must deal with the new people from the land of untold stories. See, this is where I think they're starting to jump the shark. As well as dealing with their own forgotten tales and the mysterious fate of the saviors lead to Emma learning about the savior before her, Aladdin. The savior before her, Aladdin. Oh, you mean people have forgotten something in this series? Oh, uh-huh. gosh. <laughs> retcon, retcon, goodness. The ongoing war between light and darkness ultimately leads to the arrival of Gideon, which is the son of Belle and Rumpelstiltskin, whose mother is the creator of the Dark Curse, the Black Fairy, Jamie Murray, as well as the final battle that was prophesied before the casting of the original curse. So that then takes us to the final season. And this is where the showrunners realize, well, yeah, we, we've ran out of ideas. And this is, I remember hearing about this and I remember being so intrigued about this. So this is the final season. I know um, they jump in time. Well, they don't just dump into, so here it is. In May 2017, the series was renewed for a seventh and final season consisting of 22 episodes, which marked a soft reboot. Years later, after the final battle, Lucy arrives in the fictional neighborhood of Hyperion Heights. Really? Hyperion? Seriously? <laughs> Hyperion Heights in Seattle, Washington, with her Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time book to find her father, Henry Mills, who is needed by his family. Henry, along with characters from the new Enchanted Forest, were brought to Hyperion Heights under a new curse and are caught in a rising conflict involving Cinderella and Lady Tremaine, whose dangerous history with Mother Gothel is revealed as well as the agendas of Dr. Facilier. Lucy must try to break this new curse and free her parents with the help of the now-cursed Regina, 
Wish Realm Hook, Rumpelstiltskin, and Zelina. Two worlds collide when the arrival of Wish Realm Rumpelstiltskin and Wish Henry Mills were culminated a devious plot by separating the characters into separate realms inside their own storybooks, while some will make the ultimate sacrifice to save their happily ever after. That sounds not complicated at all. Not at all. So even though, here's the thing, even though the plot is there before us, I still don't know how it ends. I still don't know the ending and how it all finally plays out and how I'm actually looking forward to it. So we talked at the very beginning of this episode about characters coming together in one crazy story. This is like characters from the craziness of once upon a time intertwining with characters from the reboot of once upon a time to create the ultimate once upon a time. Like it, it is kind of exciting, but I'm, I'm, it's also like, I feel exhausted even just talking about it right now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It, 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 that does feel a little bit exhausting. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still going to, still going to watch all of it, but uh, yeah, I mean, overall, overall it's, it, it's a unique, it's something unique. Yeah. Um, you know, even, even though, you know, we've been ragging on, it's the same thing kind of over and over again it's still unique. I, I can't think of like, what's a show or a movie that you could compare this to. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Shrek maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I maybe, but Shrek, you know, Shrek doesn't take itself seriously here. They, they actually do. I mean, they take it seriously. Here's what I think ultimately happened. I just think it started to lose viewership. So I'm looking at the, the ratings right now. So season one, 11.7 million viewers that season um season two 10.2 season three 9.3 season four 8.9 so the first four seasons uh, you're with you actually have some you're within your top 50 viewer rank basically of everything that's on tv then you get to season five which is the season that i told you it kind of started to go downhill which you know that season 6.3 million viewers season six 4.3 4.3 million it dropped out of the top 100 and season seven was a paltry 3.4 now you had made mention that right around mid right around 2015 ish 2014 even those like that was when people kind of started cutting their cable too that could have been a big yeah. part of this yeah i i really do think that was a big part of it is people started to say you know what i'm gonna go to i have netflix you know, Disney Plus didn't exist. All these streaming services didn't exist, but Netflix did. And so I think a lot of people were like, you know what? I'll just, I just have Netflix and I will wait. Uh, you know, that was the time where you'd say, you know what? I'll just wait till it's on Netflix. I don't need to watch yep. it weekly. I'll just wait till it's on Netflix and binge it. And that's, that's what a lot of people did for years. That was a very common phrase that I heard of like, oh, do you watch Once Upon a Time? Or do you watch this show? Or do you watch this book? Oh, yeah, but I just wait till the end of, yep. I just wait till the end when the season's over and it's all on Netflix and then I binge it. This is one of the reasons why I really, really do believe that Disney Plus releasing these shows weekly the way they're doing it has been just one of the smartest things they've ever done. Because it, even though it, it you can binge it, but it's all right there. And if you want to be part of the conversation, you watch it when everybody else watches it. Otherwise you run the risk of spoilers and social media spoilers and all that stuff. Well, and I love that they're doing it not just with their big name shows, but they're doing it with everything. Like very few things are they saying, here's, here's a new show that here's every episode right now Yep. that they're, they're, they're committing to this release. And I think it's, it's so smart because it keeps, 
if it keeps you from, I think what Netflix was having the problem with is that their most popular shows, people were just, oh, well, I'll do a free trial. And you can have as you can have infinite emails. Like I can go and I could spend all night tonight signing up for emails and have infinite emails. That sounds stressful. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine trying to remember all the passwords for that email. That's I'm not going to do that. But theoretically, I could. Ergo, just getting free, you know, infinite free trials and whereas this forces you to yes you i mean yes you could just you know cancel and keep re-upping and all this other stuff but if you're watching a show you can't just like binge watch a show and then cancel it and then be done like you have to you have to stick around and well and i don't think think doesn't disney plus require you to sign a whole year contract they don't let you pay month to month do they i'm not sure on that because i pay now not only think about it, they do, but you get a break if you pay for the full year. I think, yeah, I think that's it's what like, I do. I pay for the full year and I get the, it's like you get like two months off or something like that. I don't remember. What yeah. Well, exactly I paid for, I paid for the, I paid for the, um, when it first debuted, I paid for the three years. So I got the, the, the two full years or the two years and then I got the third year free. So I think I'm coming obviously coming up on my second year, but yeah, I just wasn't sure how they paid for that. So, all right. Any other thoughts before we wrap up the show? I think I'm all good. I've got an episode of The Bad Batch, a Star Wars animated series. Fit you, that into this episode. Oh, yeah. Sharif, why did you do this to me? Or Brand, was it Sharif Waiting, or Brandon? I, uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know if Waiting I'm going to watch it. it. It just doesn't look good to me. I don't know. I, I, don't, know. I, I don't think uh, – l- let me say this. While I, I, I highly recommend Star Wars cartoons, this is not the one to start with if you've never watched one because there's yeah. going to be stuff that just – you're like, wait, what's going on? You yeah. Have, you have to start with, with Clone Wars or Rebels. So Now, what um, I will say that I will watch come October of this year, the news that just broke, is the Muppet Haunted Mansion. Oh, my God. God, how exciting is this? If you guys have not seen this, it just broke today. Matt is dancing like crazy. Gonzo Gonzo is going to spend a night in the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland. It's the Muppets meets the parks. How awesome. This, uh, oh my gosh, like they announced it. It's, oh. Uh, the yeah. the internet is blowing up. This it is really this is. is right here the perfect thing to cross over with the Muppets. Like yes. if you want if you want more Muppet things, this is exactly what you want. This is what our our, our friend who was on the pod uh, several several months back here, your Muppets history history guy. This is what he's talking about. This is exactly what the Muppets are for. It's it's just loony, crazy, simple stuff, one off stuff. It, this is what it is. And I think it's I think it's going to be amazing. So I'm 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 really looking forward to it. So, um, okay. If you want to get a hold of us, you can find us at uh, uh, on the Beers and Ears podcast Facebook group. So Beers and Ears podcast at Beers Ears nineteen twenty eight on Twitter on Instagram. You can email us at Beers and Ears nineteen twenty eight at gmail Matt, how is discontinued on display going? Oh man, it's uh, well. At the time of recording, we uh, we are recording on on May seventh here. The first episode just launched. By the time this one comes out, a couple more episodes will, will be on. Casey, you listened to the first episode? Correct? I did. I just finished it up today. I, folks, I will tell you. First of all, you get Matt. So I mean, that right there is just awesome. You get more Matt. Number two, though, his partner Chris. Um, his co-host Chris, they have an amazing on-air um, relationship and on-air kind of dichotomy and chemistry. Um, 
it, it's funny. It, it is absolutely funny. And if you like chocolate, the first episode is all for you. The second one is about ketchup. I'm looking forward to catching that one next week. What's the episode that's supposed to debut this week? So this comes out um, n- not uh, so uh, um, th- th- this comes. What is oh, I'm trying to figure out what day this comes out. Hold on. Let me look at my date here. Uh, this comes out on the 18th. So th- th- what comes out on the 20th for discontinued on display? Do you know? I think that's the Wonderball episode. Oh. I could be wrong about that, but okay. I think that's the Wonderball. Maybe okay. I'm wrong. No, 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 it's not the Wonderball. It's the Salad McShaker from McDonald's. I remember, the I remember the McSalad Shaker. I used to love that. It was not as healthy as they claimed it to be, but I, I do, <laughs> I do, I do remember that. Yes. And, and I realized, uh, uh, I realized Chris kept calling it the Salad McShaker, and I kept correcting him, and now he's put it into my brain, and so that's why I said uh, it wrong. It's the <laughs> McSalad Shaker. So. I will tell you that to this day. I still, when I get a salad from a place like Subway or or someplace that has a lid on it, I will put my dressing in, put the lid back on, and shake it like I used to do with the salad McShaker. That's awesome. So I yeah, still that, just... that episode, that episode will just release. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, I've talked about a little about Sorcerer Network. So I've got, you know, beer, you know, we've got beers and ears, and we've got discounted on display, and uh, they're. There may be some other projects in the works, so um, stay tuned. Uh, I, 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 I don't want to promise anything quite yet because it's all oh, in, the, in the infant stages. I love it. I love it. All right, my friends, it is closing time. Let's go ahead and raise our glasses. This episode has been on us. I'll see you again real soon. Bye, everyone.